0: Hello! Whoa! Scared the life out of myself there. bit high energy. Hello, Christopher Sweeney here, your neighbourhood podcaster, presenting to you, at your feet, an episode of Homo Sapiens. How are you all doing? Now, I hope you had wonderful pride celebrations. What did you all do? I saw the Netflix, the Netflix, the Heartstopper crew, All the cast turned up, which was a very exciting moment. No. Send us your pictures there. I want to see what you did. I obviously was uh, watching it all from Instagram while cradling a baby uh, and thinking, yeah, do you know what? We've done good. It looked like a good one. And speaking of pride celebrations, actually, I come to you fresh off the back of uh, just fitting a brand new door handle on my garden gate. Gate handle then, really, Christopher. Get your lingo right. Um, So my gate handle fell off over the weekend, which, as you can imagine, was less than ideal. And I thought, what do I do? So uh, I thought, well, Chris, you're going to have to reinstate it. So off I went to ironmongerydirect.co.uk. Can I implore you all, if you ever need any ironmongery, just go there. Prices are exceptionally reasonable, and they have got everything, including the kitchen sink, Presumably if it was made of iron. Um so I have just had all my tools out and I thought this'll only take five minutes. Did it take five minutes? No. It took probably forty five minutes because well it gets fiddly, doesn't it? But I'm now the proud owner of a very nice new gate handle. And I did a little walk through it back and forth as sort of testing it out, you know, when you're sort of excited and proud of something you've done. <laughs> I've got some messages for about Pride Month, actually, from you all, uh, so we'll get stuck into that in a minute. But first up, Chris, what's today's episode about? "I hear you cry." Well, I feel really lucky to have this episode. It's a really interesting one, because this week, we're talking to a very young activist called Xander Morix, who recently graduated from high school in Florida, and he went viral on the internet, as I believe they call it, because he is trying to get the horrible law in Florida, don't say gay, which means you can't really talk about being gay or anything to do with queerness, in schools in Florida. And it came into effect last Friday. He is trying to mount a fight, along with many others, to get it reversed. He's an amazing activist who's actually just fighting... You know, it's a true uh, Samson and Goliath. What's what's it called? Goliath. What's the other one? How can I not remember this? Goliath. Dave, It is a proper David and Goliath story. And basically, giving some background, you may have noticed I'm not a lawyer, listeners. So I'll try and get this right. Basically, Don't Say Gay is a law which has been passed. They don't call it Don't Say Gay. It's a law that has been passed by Florida's Republican governor, Ron DeSantis. And as we'll hear about in the episode, basically, teachers and schools who discuss LGBTQ plus people, history or events, can now be at risk of prosecution by parents. Zander, who we're talking to, along with his lawyer, Brandon, who joins us as well, is the youngest plaintiff involved in the legal case. And... He is working to prove that the law is unconstitutional and he's trying to get it reversed. And his lawyer, Brandon Trice, is also joining him. And we talk about the effects that the law has already had in the state. The incredible work they're doing to try and stop it and other discriminatory laws being passed in the US. It's a funny old time at the moment. And they had really fascinating things to say about what is this turn of the tides with people's rights. What's going on? And really interesting take on that. And also just the story of Xander and how he, you know, he went viral and how that blew up despite him not meaning it to. And also the the speech that he did at his school that they tried to censor. It's, it's just an incredible story. It's an inspiring story. You know, they are, well, you'll hear more about this in the interview, but they're doing incredible stuff. And without them, this would not be even being reproached or you know someone trying to get it reversed and there are lots of other plaintiffs people working towards it together but um zandra is the youngest and um all i can say is gen z to the rescue quite frankly it's amazing can't wait for you to hear it so then what else have i got to say pride month lasts long beyond pride month as they say so if you haven't caught up with any of our pride month episodes including chats with we well we had reverend richard coles had so many nice messages about that we had munro bergdorf And we had the Pride in School specials, which people went bananas for. So, yeah, have a listen if you haven't. Don't forget to get in touch. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. I love it when you message. You do it all the time. It makes me so happy. Speaking of messages. There was a clap on the end of that for anyone eagle-eared. Let's have a look at your messages. Sam has been in touch. Just listen to how we should celebrate Pride in Schools episodes. And I wept the whole way through. Schools are where these conversations have to start. And the worst thing is that lives depend on it. I'm so honoured to hear about the successes at schools, even if it meant I had to borrow tissue from the lady next to me on the train. Sam, I love you. That's so sweet. Um, dog walking and pet care has been in touch. Oh, now this is really funny. Lots of you messaged about the tooth whitening. Thank you so much. So regarding tooth whitening, your enamel loss is... Loses integrity with the -the over-the-counter and home remedy type whitening. Interesting. Thank you, dog-walking health pecker. Didn't catch your name on here. I don't feel like that's the name on your birth certificate. In other topics, we have a family member undergoing separation and divorce as their partner is transitioning, whilst another couple in our circle have moved through the one-partner transition successfully. There are many factors like hormones and identity in the mix, but a few episodes discussing the challenges of navigating, supporting a reassignment would be lovely and seems important. I love that idea. We're going to make it happen. Really important to discuss. Let's do it. And then Culture Club, uh, you'd all been telling me your um, what you've been watching. Unofficial McDonald and many others were recommending Umbrella Academy Series 3, Watching Victor be accepted by his family means so much. That's Elliot Page's character, right? I haven't watched uh, any of Umbrella Academy, I'm ashamed to admit, but I know that in Series 3, Elliot Page's character also transitions. Is that correct? The the feedback seems to be that they've done it really sort of... They've done it right, you know, elegantly and respectfully, and uh, it's so lovely to see. It really is. And lots of you are loving the new Kelly Holmes documentary, Being Me... I think that's on ITV, isn't it? So Kelly Holmes, who just came out, if, in case anyone missed it. And a very poignant, touching, beautiful documentary about that. And the film Benediction, uh, which is a gay film. Uh, I know that much. Isn't it about secret soon? Is it poets at war or something? Look at me being so clued up. And also, oh, now what I, I've had a preview of this show. It's sort of a really cool new docu-series called Life in Love. It's on ITV. If you're a fan of Euphoria or Heartstopper, this is one for you. It's basically a series of short episodes. And each one kind of explores a different Gen Z relationship. And it's directed by this young gay filmmaker called Abel Rubenstein. And it kind of explores sex relationship and many other things intimacy which we talk about loads kink which we talk about sometimes should talk about more and sex work as well which we do talk about and on this podcast i mean and it just does it in a really in a real and kind of unfiltered way and it feels like i mean one of the things i love is how gen z are just leading the way <laughs> in how we're talking about representing real relationships well the, the spectrum of relationships that we all know is possible and have always known, and it's doing it really well. So that would be my recommend for the week. Right, as a man has started drilling outside my house, what is he doing? He's mowing the lawn, I think. Mowing some lawn. Uh, It's time... No, he nearly stopped, then he didn't. It's time to hand over to Zander and Brandon, and I start by asking Brander, who's the lawyer, exactly what the Don't Say Gay Law states, and what this will mean for the queer community in Florida,
1: so you know the "Don't Say Gay" bill is formally called HB 1557, House Bill 1557, and it was passed back in March of this year. It's helpful to get an overview of what the law actually says, and that kind of gives you an understanding of just how broad and vague it is, which is an argument part and parcel of the discriminatory aim and what it's to accomplish. So the law, by its terms, prohibits classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity. And it does that for kindergarten through third grade and also in any manner that is not uh, age appropriate or developmentally appropriate in accordance with state standards.
0: So third grade, what age is that?
1: Third grade, I think that would be about eight or so.
0: Eight. OK, cool.
1: So, you know, the, the law by its terms has these, you know, it has operative terms that are undefined, and those are intentionally undefined. So classroom instruction is not defined. Sex, mm. Classroom instruction on site orientation or gender identity is not defined. School personnel and third parties, those aren't defined either. And the state standards that, uh, you know, are supposed to K through three is covered, but after that, those also aren't defined in the, in the law. So that raises a host of thorny questions that you can come up with hypotheticals all day. And we have many in our amended complaint of the instances where uh, our clients have all come up, all said, I'd like to do this, but I am not sure if I can do that, or I don't believe I can do that because of what I've been told. But, you know, just to walk you through a few examples, classroom instruction, that could be the formal curriculum that a school has for a particular class. But it could be something, anything that a teacher says in class. It could also be a teacher, imagine an LGBTQ teacher, just being themselves and, you know, recognizing and acknowledging the fact that they are LGBTQ. Um, it could mm-hmm. be having a picture of your significant other on your desk if you're a teacher who is gay or lesbian. Um, so there are, lots, there are lots of examples where it's not clear what classroom instruction is. You could say the same thing about the school personnel and third parties aspect of the law, because one response might be, well, classroom instruction is about teachers, but then why would you include school personnel or third parties? That's incredibly broad, right? And the point there is, again, to make it unclear to people who are trying to follow this law what it actually means, and certainly we don't want anybody to have to follow this law. That's why we're challenging it, but the the goal is to be so vague that nobody can actually understand what's going on and you're not going to come close to the line if you're a school district that fears um, that if you allow something to be said by teachers or by students in class, that they will be skirting the law and and potentially imposing liability on the school district.
0: And so one of the things I think I heard you say, Zander, was that, and I could be wrong, it might not have been you, but if somebody had same-sex parents, they might not be allowed to talk about it in school.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's such a huge concern because... They do this twice where they give you these really broad definitions with these really huge nebulous ideas, and they force you to figure out what they mean because of what Brandon said. And the reason that that's so effective is because of the enforcement mechanism. And the enforcement mechanism is that any parent can now sue a school district if they feel that that law has been violated. And so right now, if you look at the culture of school boards in Florida and in the United States more broadly, what you have are these Rooms and these conversations dominated primarily by angry parents, and it's not productive conversation. So when you look at these school districts and you look at the school staff that says we have a surplus of angry parents, we have not enough money and resources, when we are now have the threat of any parent can sue us for money and take away our already limited resources, exactly what Brendan said. Is going to happen and is already happening. These teachers, these educators, right. these school board members feel a responsibility to preemptively censor themselves and preemptively decide what this law means so that they can avoid what they can't afford at any cost. And so what you have now is this law has goes into effect tomorrow, but we've seen the impacts for months. And I think we brought up one of them, but the second nebulous charge that they do is where you say, oh, well, you say it's just classroom teachers, but why would you add personal and staff? they do the same thing with K-3. through They say, oh no, the law is just for kindergartners through third graders. Like, of course, that makes sense. Then why in the line immediately after it do you say, or as long as it's developmentally appropriate in accordance with state standards? And just so we're clear, they don't tell you what those state standards are either.
0: Right. And so this legislation gets a thumbs up. It's about to come into law tomorrow. So fascinating day to be talking to you both. How, Zander, do you become involved in turning this into a lawsuit? How does Brandon become involved? Yeah. Zander, let's start with you. How did you actually take action?
2: So that's a good question. My My action taking started four years ago. So... For the last few years, I've been the executive director of the Social Equity and Education Initiative, which is now 2,000 activists across the state of Florida that has, for the last several years, led the student response in educational policy and in educational equity. So we've done work with mm-hmm. boards, we've done work with organizing and activists and teachers, lecture circuits, policy, all around making schools equitable in the way that they're accessible to children and then equitable in the way that they treat children. And so when the mm-hmm. Gay Law emerged this year... We had so many organizations and so many people in the exact day that it emerged, reach out to me, reach out to the C initiative, just because this is the niche that we've operated in for so many years. And so I, I actually was in the Dunkin' Donuts line. I had received dozens of emails and I got an email and I was sending a line and they're like, read it right now. Don't read it with someone else's opinion. Don't look at any rhetoric. Really just read it right now for what it is and just, just see what you think. And I, I'm like, okay. And I read it and it's immediate. Immediately people Mm in the space got why it was a problem. And that's why there was such a strong and harsh response to the don't say gay law in Florida immediately is because it was so obvious what that it would do. But the first reason that is obvious, and this was the immediate signals blaring to everyone, was where was the exigence for this bill? Why are Mm -hmm. we having a parental rights and education bill? Are are our kindergartners and third graders being attacked with sexual ideas in school? No. When I went to give telling at the Senate, five times as many people showed up against that bill as there were for it. And that's the core mm-hmm. point that caused me to freak out and cause everyone to kind of respond to this is why did this exist? There's no reason for this. And so because I was involved in this advocacy and because I've been focused on it, I immediately, when I read that, when I figured out why does this exist, we started creating organizing responses. We did walkouts, we did rallies. And it was actually at one of the rallies that I hosted with Equality Florida and Project Predator Q that um, I was reached out to by Tom Corday who said, I think that you should connect with the Roberta Kaplan team, and that's that's how I got involved in the lawsuit.
0: And that's how you met Brandon because that is Brandon's law firm. Exactly. You touched on my next question, which is: Where did this come from? Where did this "don't say gay" like? Where was it brewing? Who, who, when, why?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw, what we've seen at least, um, is it kind of flew under the radar for a bit. Um, but it, it ostensibly, according to Florida, is in response to there have been some some lawsuits, I believe, in connection um, parental notification and you know concerns about parents not being kept in the loop obviously, none of that really has much bearing in our view, if any, on the fact that suddenly the legislature has also prohibited any discussion in classroom instruction on LGBTQ issues and identities
0: whatsoever. When you say kept in the loop, do you mean kept in the loop about LGBT te- inclusive teaching? Or
1: something? Yeah, I believe there were some instances that at least the state has cited where they claim that, you know, very isolated as far as we've seen, but where school districts were allegedly not keeping parents uh, informed of the fact that their children may be transgender, express concerns about that to them. Okay, But, you know, what happened as a result, and as Xander was referring to, is when this kind of law started picking up steam among its proponents, it drew a massive backlash. And unfortunately, it was basically, you know, in March of this year, suddenly signed into law. And I think Frankly, I think people were caught a bit by surprise. And there was, as Xander said, not any actual impetus for the law and certainly for a law of this incredibly sweeping and just harmful scope and effect.
0: Mm. And so is your ambition to get it reversed or what's the ideal end goal?
1: Yeah, so so we've sued uh, for a declaration uh, under the law and also for an injunction. So the declaration would be that the law uh, facially and also as applied to each of our plaintiffs is invalid under the Constitution and also under Title IX, uh, which is a Mm -hmm. federal law governing uh, prohibiting discrimination in education in relevant part. And the injunction would enjoin uh, the various uh, defendants that we've sued, at least, from uh, complying with and implementing the law. Because, you know, if you take a look at the law, it it assigns out to the various state-level actors uh, responsibilities for putting it into place. And then it also assigns that out to the school districts um, which are the kind of first line, the ones who are responsible uh, for damages if any parent with a quote unquote concern about whether the law is being violated comes and uh, sues them. So we are seeking to right. stop its tracks
0: entirely. Excellent. And when will you know if you're successful?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's always hard to predict. Um, when we started this lawsuit, it was in March of this year. It was shortly after the law was signed uh, or the bill was signed into law. And at the time, we were going to seek uh, what's called a preliminary injunction, which would preserve the status quo by preventing the law from going into effect while, like, you have your full record merits determination. You let it all play out, and you say, "Hey, you know, we have a likelihood of success, et cetera," and this shouldn't even go into effect while that's being determined. Finally, um, we were pleasantly surprised that Florida and the Northern District of Florida and Tallahassee is where we brought suit. Um, Has a very fast schedule. So, you know, usually litigation, certainly litigation of a constitutional magnitude of something like this would take probably two to three years, you might think. We have a trial Mm -hmm. date for February, which is incredibly fast. So what we have done is uh, we are full steam ahead. We, you know, the state, the defendants have filed motions to dismiss, which means they're seeking to eliminate the case based solely on the complaint and to prevent any discovery, which would involve, you know, depositions of people exchanging documents Mm -hmm. and all of that and preparing for trial. They want to avoid that. We're full steam ahead. Um, Currently under the court's scheduling order, that is the game plan. And so we are, you know, (laughs) getting at it and preparing for trial in February, which is when hopefully the court will issue a ruling or a jury, we made a jury demand, would issue a ruling in our favour.
0: And so does that go on for months or is that a three-day situation?
1: Uh, the trial has been scheduled for two weeks, currently. Um, so,
0: Okay. And so the first time I heard about this was, um, the action that you are taking, uh, not the bill, was Zander's tweet that kind of went viral, right? Tell me a bit about that. Tweet that series of tweets that you did, Santa.
2: Yeah, I should. I should really start off by saying I am horrible at social media, and I'm growing <laughs> one getting together. But like I said, I've done this activism for three or four years. I have never taken to Twitter for anything but a happy birthday tweet. And so I actually I ended up calling a friend named Aiden. I was like, I need your help. Like I need to break this down. Um, but I just I couldn't figure it out. And um, but I thought I just I, there's always this rhetoric of oh he's a social media god. I'm like y'all. I had to Google what a Twitter. Is. Like I do not do not know um this was this was really me not knowing what else to do um this was me having nothing else in my arsenal and that's because i'm my school's first openly gay class president and not to not to toot my own horse too much but it it changed the culture for our school for sure because had um for 50 years on this campus i think we were Way older than that now. We um, just had so for so many generations, students not be affirmed, conversations not be had. Student government really was never about community activism. We never went out and we did things, and so I really tried to make it about that, and I really tried to start those conversations, and I really tried to be authentic. And that's why it was so important for me when I did decide to run for class president that when I did it, I knew that I had to do it out or not at all. Because if I was going to take leadership, yeah. leadership if I was going to have this role, I needed to do it in a way that would have supported me
0: two years ago. You know what I mean? So did that all start two years ago when you became class president? Freshman
2: year, yes. Yeah. So that was four years ago. I've been class president for all four years. and the first MS to do that, which is super cool. But um, it's been just such an incredible process. And it's been great to build that community and to have that progress. And so yeah. when you get here and you work for three years and you invest into this community, and then all of a sudden, everyone who supported you holds for a second, there's small so fear. And so what I'm referencing is administration. Our administration has been very supportive, very kind, very pro-LGBTQ+, up until about February of this year. Originally, I tried to have a, say, a walkout, where we processed the legislation, brought everyone together, and I was called into my office and told to cancel the walkout. They wrote down all of the posters sharing information about it, and they told me that if I had the walkout, they would send school resource officers and security. And I was stunned. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was floored, because this is a man that I believe is supportive of the LGBTQ community and has always supported the advocacy that I've done around it. And so to have that response was shocking. And we, I, we had organized it anonymously specifically so that if something like this happened, I could just be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's what we did. And we held the walkout regardless, but then a month later, it happened again. So mm-hmm. at our school, class residents give an address at the graduation. Typically it's all four, but because I was the only one elected, it was just me. And every year they review the speech just so, you know, you don't want your, you don't want a high schooler screaming like, F words out to an audience of parents. Um, they typically spend the speeches uh, the week before, and so that's what I was expecting, right? But they called me in before I'd given them the speech and sat me down, and I didn't know what the meeting was about. But I'm I'm in there a lot, so I wasn't concerned. And the second I looked at him, I knew that something was wrong because he looked scared, which was weird because he's in the position of power. And he yeah. kind of just really weirdly and slowly said, "Who you are is valid, and you're great, but also." it's not appropriate for school setting. It's not appropriate for a celebration. It's too controversial and it would upset the pleasantry of the ceremony. And just to put some gravity to that, you as a student and a human being are sitting there. I'm sitting there and I'm being told that a part of who I am, a part of my identity, my human existence is too controversial to be worth being celebrated. And that Mm. was heartbreaking. That was devastating. I was just, it, 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 it it was so upsetting. I can't even express it. And I hope that it was um, – he said that if I did reference my advocacy or that if I referenced any involvement in this lawsuit, that they would cut my mic to the graduation speech and essentially halt the ceremony. And I was hoping that that was an empty threat. I was hoping that – because how, how could that happen? Where it's 2022, yeah. I'm an adult, it is my speech. There's no way that's that, that's for real. I came back the next day, and I basically tried to get him to change his mind or affirm that it was the law. And he didn't budge, and I knew that I needed to do something. I knew that I needed to reach out. And so. I had the idea of sending say gay stickers out to graduating seniors across the state so they could silently protest at their graduations. Even if we can't say gay, we'll have the word say gay on our chest. It felt simple. And I really chose to do stickers because of accessibility. That's something we're super focused on when it comes to Floridian advocacy is making it accessible. A lot of people aren't in safe spaces. A lot of people don't have safe families. And so to have something that's easily taken on, easily taken off, easily concealed was important to us. And so i wanted to get that out there and so i created my tweet where i described what happened and where you could get the stickers and i thought i thought maybe a hundred people would see it right it exploded it went ridiculous and i think that the reason it resonated is because people across the state were experiencing similar things and people across the state having similar fears and similar experiences and i think that's why it was so important to bring that conversation publicly is because it's dangerous it's real we're not alone in this experience and the response from there was just insane because we ended up, we had 10,000 stickers claimed within the first 48 hours. We ended up having to order 25,000 more. Um, we got another one wow. activist added to the initiative in the last two weeks. It's just been, it's been incredible because people, I think something I'm trying to communicate all the time is that Gen Z wants to get involved. We've been raised with all of these issues and these problems in our pockets, right? Like we're aware that the United States is in a problematic state and we want to do something. It's just about giving us the resources and giving us the support to do that. And so I think that's kind of what the C Initiative has done in Florida is it's been this community support system for people to come together and do this advocacy. And that's, it's just been such a crazy response since.
0: I am gripped by these two. I mean, just hats off to them is all I can say. Uh, Way more in part two, it gets even better. So go to the feed and have a look at it.